Good morning. My name is Jimmy and I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central. You know, with all that's been going on here and around the world recently, we gather before the one who knows, who hears, who has the power and authority to do what is best and we trust in him. And we sit before him in worship and now I hope we're ready to hear his word. Well, today marks the end of August and uh, our last Sunday in our missions series. Uh, it's my privilege to share that final message. And today I've entitled the message, Missions Where You Are. Today's passage comes to us from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, and one brief part of the verse in chapter 10, verse 5. This is the reading of God's word. And it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then chapter 10, verse 5, the first part says, And these twelve Jesus sent out. Please join me in a short word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, time that we could worship, even if it is at home. And we thank you that no matter where we are, we can give you of our heart and worship and praise. And we also thank you for the global work of missions that you are doing now and have been doing for years. We pray that our hearts would be drawn to you, that we would also call your mission our mission and that Christ Central would be a church that truly seeks after your heart in making disciples, not just here, but around the world. We thank you for the word today, and may it continue to be fruitful in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, when you hear the word missions, what comes to your mind? I remember when I first heard the word missions, I thought of jungles, I thought of flights, I thought of maybe a boat ride up the Amazon River, I definitely thought of some unfamiliar foods, definitely some different languages, and I also thought of the ends of the earth, the place where Jesus mentioned the gospel needs to go to. I used to think that missions only referred to third world countries, and the work that needs to be done there where the gospel has never been heard before. It was also something that I deferred to these men and women whom I thought were super Christians the Marines of the church, so to speak. But all that began to change when I attended a missions conference called Urbana back in, yes, 1990. It was sponsored by a campus ministry called InterVarsity. It was a huge event of 20,000 plus people who attended, including missionaries, campus leaders, students, and pastors. And part of the event included choosing two seminars out of 50 that were, that were uh, given. And it was difficult to choose which one, but then I saw this title. It was entitled, The Prayer Life of a Missionary. And I thought, that's it. I'm gonna definitely go to that one. Well, here we were in this room. It was a packed room of eager Christians who were waiting to hear some gems of truth regarding the prayer life of a missionary. And as we were waiting, uh, it was 15 minutes after the hour, and we all thought the seminar was gonna be canceled because we didn't know where the speaker was. Well, the speaker staggers in, drops her bags, and says, sorry for being late. I just got here from the airport. And she says, by the way, the title to the seminar is incorrect. 
There's no such thing as the prayer life of a missionary. She said, it's just the prayer life of a Christian. And I was like, what? I didn't come here to listen to the prayer life of a Christian. I wanted to hear about missionaries and their journey of prayer and fasting and all the miracles that God did. What I was expecting was something powerful, amazing, Holy Spirit-filled, supernatural prayer life of these saints we call missionaries. But she quickly dispelled that expectation. In fact, she went on to share about how prayer was instrumental in church revival history and how prayer is the foundation of all missions work. She went on to remind us in the room that she herself were, was just a normal Christian. And when she was called to uh, serve Christ in the mission field and to share the gospel in a different country for a time, that nothing really changed in her. The, what, what changed was the language, the culture, and the location of where she would love Christ and serve him. I left that seminar and that missions conference with a lot of questions, and I had to rethink what missions really meant. It's been a journey now for over 30 years where God is taking me around the world to see what he's doing, to listen and to learn from other missionaries, and, and to see the work that God has been doing through his people in the name of Christ. So then here we are. Here we are in Southern California. So, so what? So now what? Well, for us to think about missions and what that means to every one of us, I want to take us through three questions. And the three questions are, what is missions? Who are missionaries? And where is missions? Let's answer the first question. What is missions? In verse 35, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. What Jesus did here was holistic. It included teaching, the preaching of the gospel, and also healing, the healing of actual physical bodies of the people that he saw. Missions is a holistic work. And so we understand that missions isn't just about uh, the message itself, but it's about the holistic person coming together under that message. It's not just reaching the heart or the mind or even the soul, but the body as well. And so missions is the work of God to take the gospel around the world that started in Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. And missions often was equated with uh, about conversion or salvation. But it doesn't just stop there. It's so much more. If evangelism and conversion was all that a missionary was to be concerned about, then we shouldn't send out missionaries. We should be sending out evangelists, like a bunch of Billy Grahams or Greg Lorries or people who have the gift of evangelism. And although we think that missionaries do have the gift of evangelism, we also know that that's not the end of their work. That they're not just, com the, they're not just content with conversions, but they have a long-term project of church planning and discipleship. Jesus' ministry uh, demonstrates that for us, that there was a holistic concern of the person. And we understand that as he was going from city and village, uh, as he was going through the region, we understand that he was concerned about the people, their bodies and their souls. Missions then is both evangelism and discipleship. But these terms are not two different works. They're part of the same work of making disciples. Missions is the task given to his disciples before Jesus' ascension, 
where Jesus told the disciples to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that he had commanded. The Great Commission wasn't a call to just evangelize, but church plant, as well as to remain for years so that we would not just make converts, but make disciples. That's why missionaries are there for the long term. And the impressive numbers that we often talk about, how many came to Christ, yes, we celebrate conversion and salvation, of course. But the goal of a thriving uh, church and the movement of, of disciple-making in every tribe, language, people, and tongue is truly the larger work of what missionaries do. It's to go and make disciples wherever they are. So missions is also considered, uh, in many people's eyes, a great sacrifice because we leave the comforts of our homes and our families and we go to other countries and other places. And yes, that's true. And yes, there is a cost to following Christ. But in my opinion, that's really a matter of a cultural perspective. Uh, in one sense, people in other countries don't see uh, living like them or with them as a sacrifice. It's actually normal. For them, it's just life. But for a Westerner or an American who comes from a, a, a very prosperous country, sometimes going to a third world country can seem like a sacrifice. But David Livingston, a famous missionary to Africa, once wrote, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? And of course, there are sacrifices along the way, but that's everywhere we live. And I think missions is not so much a sacrifice, but it actually is a joy to walk with Christ wherever he leads us. And sure, things may be uncomfortable, but following Christ was never meant to be, meant to be comfortable. Of course, there's going to be times of discomfort. And we also understand why missions is important. In the famous words of Pastor John Piper, he says, missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, missions exist to bring glory and praise to God from the lips and hearts of those who once stood condemned as his enemies, but are now saved according to the gospel of Christ and are called to follow him. So then, if missions is the holistic work of making disciples, then the second question is, who are the missionaries? Who are the ones who will go and do this work of missions? Well, in verse 37, uh, it says, Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Missionaries are Christians, disciples, who love the gospel. They love Jesus, and they're available to go anywhere, uh, especially in his name and for the gospel. I want to be clear. Jesus' mission culminated on the cross, yes. The greatest need of mankind was salvation, to be reconciled to God. And we understand that salvation and the work of the cross changed our eternal destination forever. But we, don't, we know that Jesus didn't just come and then die on the cross. We know that his ministry started three years before he even went to the cross. And so the question is, what was Jesus doing for three years? He was making disciples. He was living as a missionary on earth, taking regular fishermen and tax collector and teaching them about the kingdom of God, about the truths from God's word and, and how he came to fulfill it, even in the very new covenant of his own blood. You know, I'm reminded of how 
in the Old Testament. It was once the very blood of the lamb on the doorposts. It was eating the lamb's meat standing up that turned into an annual reminder called Passover. And one Passover meal in the New Testament was taken a bit early because the true Passover lamb had finally come. And Jesus helped connect those two truths, teaching his disciples that he himself was that Passover lamb. Jesus spent his days, months, and years teaching and preaching and healing while his disciples watched. And here in chapter 9 of Matthew, a significant turn occurs. In one commentary, it says, in verses 36 to 38, it marks a significant transition of Jesus' ministry. Until this point, his disciples have simply been listeners and onlookers, observing and learning. All of the actual ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing, has been performed by Jesus himself. Now Jesus shows the reason and need to begin involving his disciples. Why? Because the purpose of Jesus' three years of ministry to his disciples was to grow them and prepare them for the moment when he would die on the cross, rise again, spend 40 days with them, proving his resurrection to them, and then sending them out as the first set of missionaries, or as I like to call them, Christianaries, uh, to the surrounding cities and villages, to leave Jerusalem, to go out to Judea and Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. Let's be clear. There's no word missionary in the Bible. The closest term that we have is maybe the word apostle, which literally means the one who is sent. The first 12 were unique and held a unique role as apostles that none can be repeated. But those whom they discipled also went out, and they went out to be their disciples who also went out as maybe perhaps what we might call missionaries. And as we think about that, I want us to understand that the title of missionary or the idea of being a missionary is not something reserved for the elite or the super Christian. It's for the average person because that's who they think they are and that they just love Jesus and want to be available to wherever he wants them to go. That's why Pastor John Piper writes, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him. That whatever he cares about, whatever Jesus embraces as his mission, that that's my mission. That it's not just Jesus' mission or the mission of those missionaries, it's also my mission. It's the mission of the local church, every local church. And so that's why it says that as the Lord sent out his disciples, he told them that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know, he saw the crowds and their need. And it wasn't a work for just one person, but for many people, particularly his disciples, who had his teaching, the eventual coming of the Holy Spirit, and his heart of mission and his commission that he gave to them to do this work and to finish this task. There's no biblical difference between a normal Christian, a disciple, and a missionary. They're all one and the same. Every Christian is a disciple, a learner, and a student of Jesus. And every Christian is also called to participate in the task of global disciple-making, either by supporting, sending, mobilizing, or going yourself. And so here we see Jesus uh, telling his disciples to pray earnestly. You know what that means is, it is to pray and ask with urgency. It is to plead over a presumed need that we all understood, that the Lord of the harvest himself 
would send out laborers into his harvest. I want to point out something very important here. Jesus said what was most needed, and he said to his disciples to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest of this. And what did he tell them to ask? That he send out workers or laborers. Notice he didn't say money or buildings or programs or any social media or podcasts. He said laborers. And after that prayer, what did Jesus do? In chapter 5, in chapter 10, verse 5, in the first part, he says, These twelve Jesus sent out. The very ones he said to pray, he called them to pray earnestly, he sent out. And here I want to pause and ask you, are you willing to pray earnestly? And will you join me to pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest field? But more importantly, are you willing to be one of those whom he might send out? Are you available without any condition? Or are there conditions to, in your heart to what it means to really uh, follow Christ? Prayer for missionaries is so important. But prayer for ourselves to be available, not just in a foreign country far away 10 years or 20 years from now, but today, right now, wherever you live, wherever you are, because you are called to make disciples of all nations together with Christ Central and every local congregation, that as we think about that, to make disciples of all nations included America, where you and I live, because America is a nation. And so dear brothers and sisters, Christianaries, are you available for him? Because missions is wherever Jesus and his disciples were as they walked along. That wherever we are, whether at the time it was in Jerusalem or in parts of Judea and Samaria or going to the ends of the earth, it was important that the missionaries knew who they were. They were followers of Christ, disciples called to make disciples. They were Christianaries. So if missions then is the holistic work of making disciples and missionaries are Christians following Jesus wherever he leads them, then lastly, where is missions? In verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. A Jewish historian by the name of Josephus reported at his time that there were some 200 cities and villages in the region of Galilee, which is about 40 miles wide and about 70 miles long. And according to some estimates, they said it could have, it could have had approximately or estimated about 3 million people. And as Jesus visited these cities and villages in these regions, we understood that he wanted to continue to teach and proclaim about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And not just stop in, stop in those regions, but also to extend that work and ministry to around the world. We know that in Acts 1-8, after his resurrection, before his ascension, he told his disciples, in Acts 1-8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so wherever missions is, that mission field, it is global, and it includes the U.S. and even perhaps our own neighborhood and in the communities that you and I live. In one sense, it's reaching uh, the gospel to the unreached, to the ends of the earth, who've never heard of Jesus. And on the other hand, it's taking the gospel right where we live, where we work, 
where you go to school, where we, where we go to the park and where we hang out with friends, that we are to be witnesses of Christ and our faith in him. It's important to have a global perspective when it comes to missions. And we understand as we've been hearing from our missionary in Paraguay or a missionary from Germany, or maybe even someone who works right here in downtown LA, that we understand as we watch testimonies or videos of people, that those are great, but nothing can take the place of actually seeing with our own eyes and hearing with our own ears and experiencing what God is doing in those very places. If you're thinking about missions and maybe the question, should I go and visit some of these places? I wanna 100% support you to consider doing that. In fact, I think it would be fantastic if every Christian at our church would have at least one mission experience, whether it's local or global. And think about what it means to make disciples. For us as parents and families, making disciples begins right here at home with our kids. And then as we think about them growing and maturing, it's important for us to understand that we visit and revisit the idea of what it means to travel and to possibly even take trips together. That we understand that it's also part of what it means to build up the church and be a participant in raising and making disciples even here at home. It's my opinion that we all need to be exposed not only to the mission field and what God is doing there, but to really visit there and then begin to understand that maybe it's everywhere wherever Jesus is and wherever his people are. When Jesus saw the crowds in the cities and villages, he had compassion on them. The word compassion, it, it's something that is literally related to a gut reaction that Jesus had when he saw the crowds. When he saw the crowds and their needs, he didn't just see something and say, how horrible. He had a guttural reaction to it. And that's what compassion is described here because the people he saw were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. They lacked the spiritual care and guidance. And so he had compassion on them. And that means it comes from seeing the needs of people and understanding and seeing that through love, the love of God, and seeing their needs where they are. You know, uh, I think all of us, including myself, was really touched by uh, Pastor Dan Anderson uh, the pastor from Union Rescue Mission, when he told us that the real plight and the need of homelessness is not a home, but community and relationships. That was powerful. Imagine seeing a leper healed. Where would he run to? He ran to his family, to his friends, to the religious leader in communities to exonerate them and to clear them from any type of uh, uh, of, of disease. And so missions is wherever you go, wherever he sends you. And so a few things to really remember is that wherever you are, that can be your mission field. You know, my son, Josh, who's a senior in high school, has several groups of friends. He has basketball friends. He has friends from elementary school. He even has some friends who joined track. And one night he went out uh, and came back from a dinner and he said, Hey, dad, guess what? One of the guys from track, you know, while we were at dinner at, a, at, at this restaurant, he said he stood up and he prayed for our dinner. And I was like, really? I was kind of in disbelief and I was like, that's cool. Then another night he goes out and he comes back and he comes back a little late and I said, what did you do? And he said, that same guy led a Bible study 
And I was like, come on, man, really? You went out and stayed out and you did Bible study with your group of friends? And he said, yeah. He said, in fact, uh, another time he said, that same guy asked if Josh would co-lead with him. And uh, I have to be honest with you, I thought it was code for them doing something weird, but Jen met this kid. He found, she found, we find out that this kid is actually a kid who used to wander and live, lived far away from God, but somehow he found God and uh, he became so passionate about him that he wanted to share with him and he was unashamed. He was willing to take a risk with some of the relationships that he had just met. He was courageous, he was in love, and he dared to open his mouth about Jesus, and he did that with his group of high school friends. I thought that story is fantastic. You know, we pray for our kids to make good friends. I'm just so thankful that Jesus met this kid uh, who loves Jesus and was unashamed to talk about him and even invite his friends over their ho his house to do a Bible study. So we learned about what missions is, who are missionaries, and where missions is. I also want to leave you with a few thoughts of application. So what are we to do? First of all, we want to know that this is couched under the true authority of the Lord of the harvest. That's Jesus. Now we are to, first of all, pray. Pray earnestly to ask Jesus for opportunities to share the gospel. And maybe even dare to ask, will you send me? Is, am I someone that you would use out there? And the answer is yes. And to every person, to every area that he has taken you, um, I want to encourage you to do so. The second one is to tell your stories of grace. Not someone else's story, not someone else's experience, but your own story. To tell the story of how Jesus impacted your life and has transformed you. I think stories of grace are powerful things that God does now around us and through us. I also want to encourage you to serve others, to become a servant now here, so that wherever you go, you can be a servant of Christ. At, a, at the Urbana Conference in 1990, a campus staff of InterVarsity named Paul Tokunaga said this in his message. He said, if you think that you can cruise through college, oblivious to the needs around you, and then expect to go to the mission field, you're fooling yourself. He said, the best missionary later is the best missionary now. And I love that. Practice being a missionary now so that wherever he may take you later, that you'll be a missionary wherever you are. Fourthly, invite others. Invite people to Jesus and invite people to church. I think one of the greatest things is to remember that we have these relationships and they're not by accident. Our coworkers, our fellow students, our neighbors, uh, invite them. And I think one of the challenges is, yes, they may say no. Yes, it might be a little awkward, but what if they say yes? Wouldn't that be amazing? So it does take a little bit of a risk, but please consider that. And lastly, don't just have the feels, have the goes. Sorry if that sounds a little corny. You know, I think a lot of us really so, are so thankful when we feel touched or blessed and we sense God's Spirit doing something to convict our hearts. But I hope it doesn't just stop there. I hope it takes us to the next step. Some practical things where we go out and talk about Jesus and maybe even be willing to go to other places, other countries, or maybe even just to step out of our doors and to say hello to our neighbors, to make relationships on our block with people we've never talked to. David Livingston, again, the missionary from Africa said, sympathy is no substitute for action. And although we may have sympathy for people in need, 
I hope it will also lead to action. You know, what's really needed is not money. It's not buildings. It's not uh, anything other than simply the very people that God has called us to do, to work among and to be among. The workers are few. The laborers are few. The father gave his only son. His only son came and he lived among us to teach, preach, and to heal. And then he sent his disciples and he's been doing that ever since. I hope that you will join this band of men, women, and people, children, youth, college students, that wherever he leads us, wherever he takes us, we will follow. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the message of what missions is. And as Jesus told his disciples, we also do today. We also pray, Lord, please send out laborers into your harvest field. Thank you, Lord, for this time. And would you truly bless this, this continued thought of missions in our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.